Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Mark is with me today. How's it going, Mark? It's going pretty good. Yeah, after two weeks of holidays from the podcast, it's not our fault, though it's Matt Diggity. He was in Budapest. He wouldn't let us post the podcast. Now he just left today, so we're making a podcast. So blame him for the fact that there was no podcast. Send him a message on Facebook. Uh, whatever, it's all his fault anyway. But yeah, before we get started, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for tuning into the podcast. And if you want to find all the show notes of everything we're going to be talking about today, it's going to be on authorityhiker.com slash august dash first dash update first in letters f-i-r-s-t i also want to point out that there's a huge thunderstorm starting in budapest right now so if you hear lightning striking our building or anything like that you know we're probably dead but at least you get the podcast since you're listening right now anyway let's get started and let's talk about what the topic is going to be today which is the core algorithm update that happened on august first and i want to start this podcast by saying if you're looking for a quick solution to get out of to get all the traffic that you lost because you got affected by it we won't have that solution in that podcast so if that's what you're after maybe see you next week you know we're going to kind of like round up and give our impressions on uh, what it is we're also going to tell you how it affected our websites and the websites of atari hacker pro members and overall kind of like the the speculations that have been around on what's going on with this update. I don't think anyone really knows what's going on, but can you just catch us up, Mark, on on what we actually know, at least of the effects of that update? Well, I mean, I'm glad you said on the effects of it because we don't really know much at all about what actually changed or what actually changed in the core algorithm. The effects are that a number of people have lost significant and sometimes very significant amount of traffic on their sites. Some of these people are white hat, like full white hat, nothing dodgy in any sense. Uh, And those people still got negatively affected, which is probably the first time in quite some time that that's, that's generally happened. Of course, white hat meaning more on the link building side of things. When it comes to content, on the other hand, it's, you know, there's not really such a thing as white and gray hat or good and bad content. It's all kind of there shades is good of, and bad content. It's all actually, shades of gray, really. There, but like, I would argue that, you know, a lot of people that call themselves white hat, uh, including us in some cases, don't necessarily put the absolute best content they can forward. And that, that might be an effect of this update, you know. 100% for sure. What has been talked about a lot in the SEO community is how this has affected particularly uh, health sites, but also sites which can you end up spending a lot of money and investing in things, financial, like this, this kind of stuff. What was the abbreviation for it? Your money or your life, something like yeah, that? Yeah, Y-M-Y-L, your money or your life. Actually, I did see on... I think it was Glenn from G Squared Interactive posted a pretty interesting analysis post about this update. And there were some coupon and music lyrics sites which got which were affected, some in good ways, some in bad ways. And that tells me like those sites tend to be quite large in terms of number of pages. And 
often, though not always, often they are quite thin on the content and the the amount of it, the uniqueness of it, the quality of it tends to be on the lower end compared to a more traditional authority site. So what that tells me is that this is more focused on the content ends of things. Again, what's likely happening is there's millions of different things going on here, but there's definitely a not definitely. There's likely a. Uh, I was going to say, you saw for infinity for a I was like, we don't know what's going on, but definitely it's this thing. You know? <laughs> likely there is a, a significant element around content here. So I wouldn't say it's just health sites or your money, your life type, type sites. I, I also haven't heard too many finance sites being impacted, which. There's a website called The Simple Dollar, which is, mm-hmm. you know, personal finance type thing that lost 31% of traffic, actually. Okay, fair enough. And it's very much a, a big affiliate site as well, so it's, it's probably relevant to the audience. But yeah, it also, it definitely seems like this shift of people who use PBNs and Grey Hat tactics and people who try to follow those terms of service a little bit closer, it seems like there's no difference in terms of people who got affected. So yeah, yeah the, well, well, the rush... I- I think that follows in with this being focused on content because there's no difference yeah, exactly. between those people. Maybe there isn't in some way, but in general, everyone wants to produce like decent content, you know? No one's trying to trying to produce bad content. So people are just being cheap usually, yeah. But yeah, and but, and often these are the same writers writing for these people as well, right? Regardless of the type of link building, they put two hours the content after. So yeah, it's like, as I was joking about you sounding quite definitive, but I think that's probably one thing that we can put forward is that I feel that this is more on the on-site type side of things rather than on the link side of things. It doesn't seem like... Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say on-site. I would just go for content because yeah. some of the sites which were negatively effective have really good on-site. Yeah, actually, like I see the joke I put on the notes right now. I'm a little bit ashamed of it right now. <laughs> so on the notes, I literally wrote the sites that got axed and then the first one is google.doctorax.com. <laughs> I guess this guy is just going to be the flagship of the of the negatively impact websites. They lost 38% yeah. of traffic, actually, drx.com. And I, th- I know you wanted to talk about them, uh, but I want to put them in comparison with maybe another health site that gained a bunch of traffic, which is healthline.com. They gained 20% traffic. They, they went up a lot uh, because 20% for them is millions of visitors. And I know you wanted to kind of compare these two, so go ahead. Yeah, so first, these sites are both in their own right excellent. I would say they're far better than health ambition. These are some of the top sites, not just in health, but online. The teams behind them, hugely talented, like really impressive what they do. And like, there's lots to learn from them. Now, that being said, whether you like it or not, a lot of what Dr. X says is not true. He is not a doctor, despite his name, Dr. X. He has a PhD in natural medicine, which is not a medical He could not work in a hospital, basically hospital he cannot be a physician i think they call it in the u.s that's an entirely different route so they have the first year of medical school which is the same and then as as the rest of med students but then beyond that it's more like herbal remedies and less sometimes significantly less evidence-based treatments and if it's you know something like a simple lack of energy or you know you you have some like minor rash that's like doesn't really affect much then sometimes people take these things and you know try different natural things rather than going to 
to a doctor and I'm not going to say everything on DrX.com is bullshit because it's not. We're making there's a so lot, many enemies. <laughs> there's a lot of truth here. And I, I really, I'm, at the same time, I'm very conscious that we're almost, or we have one foot in that boat as well with health ambition. When we started that site, we had no idea about the kind of spectrum of evidence-based science in, in the health sphere. And uh, yeah, what I'm trying to get at this is a lot of it is You're just written by... <laughs> by writers and by people who don't really have the qualifications to talk about uh, talk about some of the things. And if you compare that directly to Healthline, who basically are the opposite. So when they have writers come in, in most cases, if even if they're not actual doctors themselves, they'll be interviewing doctors. And then they also have a editorial layer above that. And at the top right of every article, they, they'll say this post was audited or medically checked, I forget the terminology, by Dr. So-and-so, and then it links to their About Us page, which has all these doctors and all their LinkedIn profiles and credentials and, and stuff on there, which is exactly what you'd really want if you're making some kind of health decision based on you know an article you read on the internet. You want to be assured that the people who are telling you these things know what they're talking about. So I think there's that is like an instant comparison that you can draw between those two sites. They both, don't get me wrong, they both cover a lot of things which the other doesn't. And in those areas, some have been affected, some have not. But in the areas where they both kind of overlap, it's quite a clear like Dr. X lost Healthline 1 type thing. So. Yeah. It's quite interesting, actually. For me, it's actually raising a, a big uh, philosophical debate on what is true and what isn't, and Google being kind of a decider of that these days, you know? And overall, I think, because there's a lot of like alternative opinions in the world, that this actually opens up... <laughs> alternative opinions. <laughs> alternative opinions. We definitely should not be talking about this in this podcast, but I'll still finish my point. <laughs> because of that, I actually think it opens up a little bit of competition somewhere else. If, if these kind of political borders were taking that side of things, essentially. So anyway, all of this to say that Dr. X lost a bunch of traffic and Houseline gained a bunch and to kind of highlight, you know, how they do things differently. But there's also a bunch of like, kind of like, I call them like soft health type websites that lost a bunch of traffic. So there's the prevention.com, for example, which is very, you know, magazine-y type health site that's kind of light on facts and better at clickbase than facts. Very well health lost also 43% of traffic, which is a site. It's actually a site that's owned by the company that also owns about.com. And they really have a lot of sites. So they have the spruce, they have very well fit, very well housed. They kind of like split about.com into a bunch of like basically authority sites. And it's funny because on one side, they lost 43% of traffic on verywellhealth.com. But then they have the spruce, which is the website about home improvement type things, et cetera, that gain 19%. So it's kind of on the other side. But they're very, they run in a very similar fashion, these two sites. So it's quite interesting to look at them because when I said like it seems like these YML type sites got affected more, I think this is kind of an interesting example to look at because literally sites run by the same company with the same editorial process. On one end, the site that's in that's very much into that YML category lost. 43% of traffic. And on the other side, the side that's about slightly lighter topics, about like home improvement, home decor, et cetera, gained 19% traffic. What do you think about that, actually? That's super interesting. Yeah, I think 
I don't know their editorial processes well enough to know that they are similar. I would presume they are, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say conclusive, but it's a strong indication of what's going on. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's another site that I really like that gained a lot of traffic. It's Oyster.com. I don't know if you know that site, but essentially they're a site that tries to provide real reviews of holiday places. So they actually send journalists. So, you know, they try to put side by side the pictures you get in a brochure and the pictures what you see in real life, essentially. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen that one. one. Yeah. So they do this kind of like content and so on. And these guys gain 19% traffic as well, which uh, it's quite interesting. And overall, it feels like when I look at the list of the people that gain traffic, I almost have a feeling that the people that, you know, go the extra mile or just try a little bit harder, do better on top of it seemingly having some areas being more affected than others like health versus, you know, home decor. So, yeah, I think looking at this list of winners and losers, and by the way, this list of winners and losers, we got it from uh, Systrix. We'll probably link to this in the show notes so you can find it on uh, atarihacker.com slash august dash first dash update. They run an SEO tool and we essentially piggyback right their findings to try to analyze what we see from there. But yeah, it feels like it really feels like this YMYL stuff got affected a little bit more. Now, what everyone that's been here for about 15 minutes now wants to know is how our size did. <laughs> They don't care about everything else about everything else we said so far. They just want to know okay. how much we got raped by the last update, you know? Okay. So how much did we get raped so by? So I'm going to talk about our three biggest sites plus the TAS site, who anyone who's taken the course will be familiar with that, the, the demo one. So Health Ambition was negative 15% as of 14th of August when uh, we're talking about this. And that's compared to since the algorithm rolled out like an equal set of time in the last two weeks or like week and a half of July. So that's down 15%. Authority Hacker, zero change. The task demo site, minus 10%, probably deservedly so. And uh, the other big... We'll make a new one, by the way. <laughs> the other big site, <laughs> the other big site, nothing. I think it was minus 1% or something, but that's like well within, you know, just day-to-day fluctuations. Yeah, it's also seasonal, right? August is yeah, also yeah. a time of the year where typically traffic on, in most niches decreases. People go on holiday, people like, there's, there's just less traffic on the internet. It's kind of like TV ratings, you know, they drop a lot in August. People are just less in front of screens. So no matter how big your loss is, I would also like to say that August has a natural drop as well. So it's probably not as bad as it looks on the curve. I'm not saying you're going to get all your traffic back if you lost a bunch of traffic. I'm just saying it naturally goes down anyway. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to talk about with you is, don't you feel that the size where we tried the hardest on content got affected the least? Oh, and the size for, where we tried the for, least? Like, for sure. So Authority Hacker, we have, well, I would hazard a guess at maybe like 50 to 100 posts on there, which are not podcasts and, and stuff like blog posts. Actually, if you add all the podcasts, it's 250 posts. Without the podcast, though, I mean. Yeah, 50, 60, I would say. Yeah. And Health Ambition, we have... 1,100 plus published. Uh, more than that, I think. Uh, it's it's well over 1,000 anyway. And that was more of like the content factory type operation. Don't get me wrong. We still like really put quite a lot of effort into uh, content and built a... We had a great writer. We had a really good editor. We had a good editorial process in general for that market. But if you compare health and mission content to authority hacker content, I know it's hard to compare across niches like that, but 
the authority hacker content is just a lot better. And the the new site, which we started a year ago, which wasn't affected, we put a similar amount of like high level effort into it. So that's also quite interesting. Yeah, uh, it's like less content, but each like we really have been like debating about posts, etc. Yeah. By the way, there is one thousand one hundred seventy six posts published on House Ambition. Okay, so the TAS site demo site was kind of the epitome of a minimum viable product. Like, what's the worst content we can put up there and still rank, essentially? And uh, I don't. I wouldn't say the worst content. I would say just like it's like we didn't try to produce the worst content. We, we tried. No, we, we didn't attempt to produce bad content. We tried to kind of set the bar and say, hey. Make it at least as good as this. Yeah, yeah. It's the minimal effective dose, the Tim Ferriss concept. Yeah. Okay. That suffered minus 10%. I have seen other cases where people have said losing up to 70% of their traffic in one or two cases, which really... We don't know the size, though. Really surprised me. Yeah, it's, without knowing specific sites, it's hard to, hard to sort of see. One thing that is really interesting, though, is I did some analysis on health emission. And while a lot of pages, a lot of posts rather, yes, they dropped, a lot also went up. So that kind of tells me, and some like significantly so, that tells me that either there's a degree of page level analysis in this so that, you know, some of our posts are being negatively affected, some are being positively affected. And maybe that has something to do with like differences in quality. Or it could also just be, you know, certain keywords have more competitors, which were shifting around more and that like had a knock on effect and and moved us in in different directions. I would say that actually, I would say it's like, it could also just be the competition. And it's one point I wanted to point out in this podcast. It's like many times you just shift around with updates and Google doesn't see your website differently at all, but it is everyone else differently. And as a result, you go up or down based on yeah. whether there's more competitors that did well or worse. And you try to analyze your site. And sometimes really not a lot has changed on your site, actually. I'll give you a very specific example. So we have a post, best probiotics for women on health ambition. And that was down 6%. And we have a, a post, best probiotics for men. And that was up 65%. Um both written by the same writer, similar lengths, similar content quality, linking out to similar types of authority references and journals. So make of that what you will. I've tried to do some kind of data analysis on this to find some correlation, but as yet, I have failed to, to fail to do so. Yeah. Didn't you find like that info content lost more traffic than effort content at some point? In On health emission, yeah, for sure. So the percent, I don't have the number in front of me, but the percentage drop for info content was higher than commercial content. But I feel like the reason for that is there was a couple, we had a couple of very high ranking info articles, which ranked for very high traffic keywords. For banana at some uh, point. So, I mean, one of them was the negative effects of coffee. So I think we ranked number one or two for that. And I think we moved down to three or four. But I, I looked at the articles which are ranking number or the, the sites which are ranking number one for it now. And it's sites like like Healthline, WebMD. And then there's this one, Caffeine Informer. I think it was Caffeine Informer, which is like a not a like heavily monetized site. It's like a medical information about caffeine type site. So 
you know, there's an argument to say that maybe they do deserve to rank above us in, in that case, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, for these kind of sites, I mean, for Health Ambition, it's like the top articles generate as much traffic as one page, as the bottom 50% of all the pages together. Yeah, so that's um, that's massively skewed the results. These info articles tend to have more more traffic than the commercial content. And so a negative drop by just a couple of positions will have you know significantly weighted effect on the overall percentage drop for the site across all content. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, if we look at it, there's nothing dramatic for our business that came out of this update. Like, it's still very variable, still very profitable, still quite happy. We'll definitely need to be careful. We'll definitely need to try and, with time, assess what happened and consider making our sites better. But it's something we should be doing anyway. Well, th- um, this is the thing. Like, a lot of these things, like making your content good, you know, building better links, uh, the, the types of things which historically people get hit for in updates, you should be doing it anyway. But it's only when something bad happens <laughs> that you, it's like, oh, shit, I need to actually get my finger out my ass and, like, do this. And we're in the same you, boat. You do what you want with your own time. <laughs> I know. We're in the same boat with this because... There are many issues on on our sites is not hard to find. But if an update came along and, you know, penalized poorly internally linked sites, then it would would affect us quite significantly, I'm sure. And we would probably take pretty immediate action to resolve that. But then that's the question, like, well, why don't we just do that now? And usually it's down to like priorities, right? Like you you see your, your revenue or your traffic consistently coming in every month or consistently growing and you want to do more of what's working as opposed to fixing the things which you are sort of like invisible to you there's a lot of elements of of online marketing which are are very difficult to measure content quality is for sure one of them and therefore it's generally only when something really bad like this happens that that people really start to take it as serious as they should have been doing in the in the first place yeah, that well, another thing I wanted to talk about right now, and, and it definitely applies to everything we're saying in this podcast, right, is every time a big update like this happens, someone somewhere is going to come out and say, oh my God, I found what this update does. It's because of this one factor. And right now we're hearing a lot, and we're going to talk about this after, about this EAT, which is uh, Experience, Authority, and Trust. And a lot of people are like, yeah, this is because Google is placing a lot more emphasis on who wrote the article, who the author is, et cetera. And, and I hear a lot of, of that. But in the SEO world, what tends to happen with this kind of updates is like someone comes out with a questionable amount of evidence claiming that a factor has changed. And because when they, these kind of days happen, and it's very much the case with this podcast as well, People who talk about it tend to get attention from the SEO community and just pull attention to their business. Definitely the case, once again, with this podcast, but we're trying at least to be honest. A lot of people will just repeat what they hear from that one person, and it just becomes gospel, and everyone's just accepting the fact that this is the update, this is what it does, etc. We probably won't know how to fix this or what the real cause is for many reasons, at least until there is some case of recoveries. So if we see a site like Dr. Rax recover most of its traffic and it can take six, nine, ten, one year, you know, ten months, one year or something. It can take a long time, six years, six months. Until we, we figure out what they've changed and how they fix it and how 
multiple sites have fixed the traffic they've dropped, it's going to be very, very difficult to to be quite convinced and to be quite definitive on what has changed. And that's why we're trying to always be very careful with our words here. And with things like AI and machine learning that Google is investing pretty much all of its profit in right now. I don't know if you've seen these uh, Google duplex calls in uh, Google I.O. and so on, but essentially Google's AI has critical sense now. And I think at this point, <laughs> they can literally debunk, debunk bullshit in articles and, and know more than cheap writers from you know whatever content platform you may be using for your content. And, and it seems like especially in these in the health in the health niche sorry they might be looking a little bit more at that and once again i'm putting a lot of quotation marks around that because it's we're not sure yet but yeah for all these reasons the complexity of the factors that now google is using which is way more than just oh like you need to put the author name on the article probably and the fact that until we see real recovery stories and real case studies of people, you know, getting their traffic back, it's going to be very, very hard. And be careful of what you read online, basically. you want to say something about this? Just really for, for health specifically, it's a bit different because it's easier on a global scale to measure truth because a lot of it, a lot of scientific truth in health is determined by published experiments and studies and papers and therefore by crawling and indexing and understanding what's happening in those google can start building a like truth library of of sorts i'm sure it's done that already and applying what people are saying versus what it knows to be right or wrong i mean you said before it's an interesting sort of philosophical debate in itself but i'm sure you know even if it's not doing this to the 100%, I'm sure there are elements of this creeping in already. And it, even like three or four years ago, I, I remember reading about this being being something they were, they were working on, if not already implementing back then. So, uh, But you know what really pushed it as well is the, elections, is the 2015 yeah. elections yeah. in the US because the fake news impact on people's opinions and stuff. And all the big tech companies are pushing so much effort into fact-checking stuff. Yep. And just highlighting wrong, obviously wrong facts. And this technology can definitely be put to use in certain niches such as health or technical stuff or, you know, engineering and a lot of things can, you can just say it can be done or it cannot be done. You know? Yeah, I, I guess um, so it was something like DIY though, which was, was that the Oyster, what was that site? The spruce.com you mentioned earlier? No, uh, oyster.com. Ah, DIY? DIY, yeah, doctorspruce.com. Yeah, I mean, how do you really measure objective truth in, in DIY? I mean, it's it's a lot more difficult because you don't really have a data set or, you know, anything. Exactly, but this site went up, you know? Yeah. And then and then the same site from, the uh, not the same site, a similarly run site from the same company that treats of more rational topics went down a lot. Yeah. Um. So, once again, this is all speculations. And the people that analyze often say bullshit, including us. So be very careful of what we say. But it, it's like we're just trying to speculate here a little bit. So, but yeah, once again, be careful. And talking about speculation, I mean, my first feeling when this update released and I looked at you know the winners and the losers, this reminded me of the initial rollout of the Panda update, which is old now. It's like 2011. But when Google released that update, 
they essentially gave a list of, I think, 23 questions to ask when you look at a website to judge whether it's trustworthy and has good content or not. Because the goal of the Panda update was to already be a content update that, uh, you know, weeds out kind of terrible content, like really, really bad. They, at the time, it was like spun content and that kind of stuff that they were able to to weed out. But, you know, the, the kind of questions you would get in these 23 questions would be like, is the article written by an expert or enthusiast who knows the topic well, or is it more shallow in nature? nature? God, I can't read. Two, does the site have duplicate, overlapping, or redundant articles on the same similar topics with slightly different keyword variations? Or does the page provide substantial value when compared to other pages in the search results? Is the site recognized as an authority on the topic? Is the content mass-produced by out or outsourced by a large number of content creators or spread across a large network of sites that individual pages or sites don't get too much attention or care? For health-related queries, would you trust the information on this site? Does this article have an excessive amount of ads that distract from or interfere from the main content? And these questions are from the 2011 Panda update. They're like not from this update. But when you take the list of questions that Google has provided back then, it seems very, very relevant to what's happening today. And so, and one thing to know as well is that Google has made that Panda, essentially it's a ranking factor now, and has made it part of the core algorithm. If you Google Google Panda core algorithm, you see at some point, I think it's like three, four years ago, they were like, well, now Panda is not a periodic update. It's going to be part of our core algorithm. So when they like come out and they're like, oh, this is a core algorithm update, and I take the list of questions, and I look at the AI progress they're making. And this is, once again, speculation could be pure bullshit. So don't quote me too much on this. But it, it does feel like kind of like the a big evolution of the same goal, you know? I don't know what you, how you feel about this. I mean, the way I see it is that the, Google is able to measure a lot more things than the, a lot of things which we as individuals would consider immeasurable. So quality factors like truth, trust, engagement, certainly. These kinds of things and like factor that in on a, a way which I'm sure many of their own engineers don't even understand because this algorithm they have is inevitably like just incredibly complex. So it's, I mean, it's just really interesting that they're able to do this. And what interests me is like, how can you approach this without knowing the kind of playing field you're working on fully? And I think that there's two, like, ways of thinking or attitudes uh, with regards to this one is that uh, you know there's a fixed view of what an authority site or an affiliate site should be and how it should work and whenever some algorithm change comes along like this it's like how can we fix the problem that this created how can we get back to where we were how can we get back on track kind of thing and the goal or like the the growth comes from producing more content or getting more links or scaling kind of that way, as opposed to going deeper. And so I think really, yeah, it's like kind of a mentality shift for site owners that, you know, some people have intrinsically, some people apply to some of their sites and not to others like us. (laughs) There there are some people out there who are just like phenomenal at this with like really deep content, you know, sites like the wire cutter in, in product reviews. Healthline talk. The interview with Mauricio we did as well. Mauricio is really good. Mauricio Pros, we have an interview with him on the podcast. Yeah. So if you go back in the vlog, you'll find it. He's really, really good at high quality content as well. Yeah. It's one of the guys I would look at in the And he was one of the people in this update who said he got a, was it 30%, 40% increase in in traffic? Yeah, yeah. 
So take from that what you will. But yeah, in, in, in general, it was, I think a lot of people sort of viewed content quality as a, a bar and like it should be above a certain point to be like considered good. And then how you won would be on links and optimization and, and, and everything else, which were measurable things. Content quality is just, it's very hard for, for any individual to, to, to measure. So how do you know what's, what's good and, and what's not from an individual perspective? It's a, another deep philosophical question here. I guess we're giving more questions yeah. than answers in this podcast, but yeah. I mean, I told the people that wanted the answer to leave at the beginning. So hopefully you're still not here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you know good content? I mean, I would argue it's based on like people's reaction when you publish it, you know? And even then it's not even the best measurement. It's like, how, um, how do you know their reactions though? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you have an audience that you can put it in front of, it's quite easy. But even then, it's not always necessarily the way to go. And it's like the, we were actually talking about this with people who were arguing that you need links from pages with traffic and that these links are like the best links. And I was like, okay, well, you can have two links. You have a health site and you can have two links. But you need to choose one. You can have a link from a BuzzFeed article or you can have a link from a national, you know, dietitian organization on their white paper section that absolutely nobody reads except like two people or three people that really, really care about it. Which one will you take and which one will give you the most authority? Yeah. And it's like, and it kind of works the same with content because probably the content on the dietitian you know, organization website is a million times better and more in-depth and more evidence-based than the BuzzFeed content. But you don't necessarily get the crazy reaction from publishing there that you might get from a BuzzFeed article on like 10 foods you probably shouldn't eat when you go out in the city, you know? So I guess this is, and this is something that I feel it has been a big question that a lot of people have asked in the industry. And every time I meet like some of the big, big guys and I'm like, okay, how do you optimize your content? How do you make sure it's good, etc." And I've never had like a really proper answer exactly or like a, an exact process or anything, even on things like keyword uh, density and like optimization and so on. It's, it's still very esoterical and it feels like the best strategy right now is to just look at what's ranking and emulate that. But do you think that's enough these days? Well, I mean, if everyone does that, then you're going to end up with a million <laughs> copies of one article, which in 2010 happened to be ranking number one. And therefore, you know, it's it's just, it's, you're never going to get anywhere. But I, no, for sure, like the biggest, if you're not sure what to do, generally speaking in SEO, then copy what the person who's ranking number one is doing is a solid approach in most cases. You know, you, you may have to then reevaluate things now that the rankings have, have dramatically shifted around. What I'm fearful of, though, is that people will try and identify the kind of key points of leverage, which sites like healthline.com have. Fine, yeah. So I feel like we'll see a lot more health sites copy their medical oversight process, and we'll, they'll have some some doctors who you know they pay to be on their staff to review their their content and not do as good a job at doing it sincerely as Healthline are and the I don't even the, think they will review the content they just pay to put their face to be honest uh, yeah I mean that that's going to happen for sure 
after this. But I think if we start seeing this on a larger scale, I'm still dubious as to whether that would actually move the needle or not just doing that. I still think that that's not why Healthline is ranking so well now. I think the fact that, the, the, fact, yeah, the fact that they have really good content and one of the reasons they have really good content is because they do this editorial layer process with uh, medical doctors. And But it's the fact that they just have really good content, which is making them come out on top from this update, basically. What was the question again? I, uh, <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? Who are you? Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean, I just, it's what always happens in SEO. There's kind of like a nerf, there's like an update that just destroys part of the process people are doing. And people try to find who is winning, copy the process, and make it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And eventually it turns to shit. And then Google just nerfs it Someone again. right and now somewhere is working on a marketplace for people to like put your put name doctors. on these sites as approval for authority. Yeah. <laughs> but it's even better than that. If you go on Fiverr, there's a guy that dresses up as a doctor and pre- pretends to literally give medical advice if you want to hire him for $5. <laughs> and I just ruined the internet. I'm sorry for the 26 strokes I caused by giving this advice. Please don't do it. But one thing that we need to to take from this is, yeah, what what does this mean for the future? What should you be doing for your site, etc.? And I don't think any kind of like reactionary thing is going to. I mean, you can put the bandaid as you said, but it's not going to. Especially if if it's a core algorithm update, I mean, you could recover quickly if you were fixing things. But I think overall, what is important is to look at what direction Google is going towards, and it seems like essentially. Passing your niche is going to become something more difficult in the future. It's going to become more challenging. Just going and ordering 300 articles in a niche that you know nothing about to writers who know nothing about the niche, putting a site together is going to be more challenging. I don't say it's not going to be possible. Uh, I still think that people with incredible PBNs and great hat tactics and all just lucky people will pull it out. And you probably can still do it now. But the direction in which Google is going is most likely they want to put people who are somewhat dedicated to their niche forward. And that's where this eat stuff is coming up, and like this uh, expertise, authority, trust. That's where these doctor bylines are coming up. This is where overall these quality factors that John Mueller, et cetera, talk about is coming forward and so on. And yeah, I think if you really care about this business model in the long run, you're going to have to learn your niche. And it's something I have done with our newest site, actually. Like I'm, I'm quite well versed into the topic. I don't want to say the topic because I know a lot of people are going to go in there and we really care about this one and we don't necessarily want people to come in. But like, yeah, you know, I'm learning the technicalities of it pretty deep. But I think but it's the actually thing, a the thing, thing is, you don't know how deep you're going. Like we thought we were doing the same with health ambition when we both bought juicers yeah. and like got really into it. But in reality, we were probably just scratching the surface of that. So you know, it presents an interesting kind of argument as to how will one person ever know like how far they should go and if they've gone far enough. Uh, I, I don't have an I answer for this. I think it's more about but, ongoing progress, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right in that. Even with Authority Hacker, you know, we've been in online marketing for years before we started the site, and we thought we know knew a lot. And then 
we started, but if you look back at some of the earlier articles, we really didn't know what we were doing. And I'm sure in four or five years time, we'll look back at this podcast and be like, what what were you guys doing, honestly? So yeah, but that's the thing. It's about constant improvement, being like on the edge of your niche at the time and just getting the recognition from others. I think that's what real authority is like saying you are smart versus other people saying you are smart, you know? Um, I did hear a really good quote of this recently. It's like, you should be aiming for progress, not perfection. So take from that what you want. It's not me. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't by me. But yeah, it's like, so I think this is not necessarily a bad thing if you're willing to do this, because what this means is it means the person that's half assing their niche is not going to be a competitor anymore. At least they can still be a competitor today, and we're not exactly sure what this update is about. But it looks like, given the direction Google is taking, these people will be pushing you back less and less, and they will, they will matter less and less if you are that person that really just goes deep into their niche. It also means less copycats, for example. So I know I know Perrin suffered from a lot of hip-hop copycats, right? And so, yeah, if I'm not sure how deep he got involved into hip-hop, but overall, if these kind of people would not matter so much in this world that Google is trying to push forward right now. And, and one thing that I know a lot of people are going to complain, oh my God, this is changing, this is horrible, this is the end of SEO, blah, blah, blah. But you've got to know that you're in a fast-growing industry. You're in an industry that has a lot of money in there. Um, and that the cost of that is constant change. And the people that stick are the people that adapt. We had to do that through so many updates. And it, if you stay in this industry, it will happen again at least a dozen times, at least 20 times. It will happen again and again and again. And as people realize how lucrative this market can be when you look at things like the wire cutter being bought by the New York Times, for example. This is what... How, how much is that for again? $30 million, $30 million. <laughs> but like, this is what a niche, prof- like a, a market professionalizing looks like. And more and more big publishing companies getting into these review keywords, etc. You even see Amazon going into this right now. So I think this is just something that you're going to have to deal with. In yeah, the yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would add to that. It, it doesn't make it more difficult per se. It just means like you need to be smarter in your approach and you need to be more thoughtful and you need to put more effort and not take your foot off the gas really. And the, the, the not taking your foot off the gas thing is, is the important thing there. And all the past updates that which I've seen and which I've suffered through, and uh, you know, we're going back like seven, eight, nine years now, people always say the same thing. Like, oh, this is the end. Big companies are taking over. Google's favoring the manufacturers. Google's favoring the big guys. The little guys are being shoved out. It's never the case and it never will be the case. There's always room at the bottom. Yeah, there's always going to be keywords that these big organizations with like so many people are just not going to find lucrative, but you will, you know? And so there will always be a room for people to get in, but you will have to adapt. And we're already working on like 80, 20 ways to kind of like build that real authority in these niches and so on. Like there's a few of them that will be in the new authority site system and brainstorming a few others right now. I'm not sure I want to really reveal what we're going to put in tasks, but uh, this will actually be uh, addressed to some extent in the new authority site system in a few weeks, months, depends. <laughs> <Years>. depends <laughs> <over time. laughs> But yeah, it's not the end of the world. We'll deal like we are okay. Like we'll be fine. And most of the Atari Hacker Pro members are okay. What what, what do you say to the guy who lost 75% of his traffic? I mean, I'll say I was there a few years ago, right? When we, when the penguin update hit, et cetera, we, we were there. We, we got 
this loss and it, it's not great it's not fun but it's you can recover especially if you i mean it depends on what state your site is in right it's the time where you just assess everything and you kind of like make the list of everything you probably should have done differently and haven't fixed and and Trust me, I know because I'm doing it for Tori Hacker right now, and I'm literally rebuilding every single page because I, I quite hate that site at this point. So, like, I feel your pain. You're gonna have to do this, but you're gonna have to. You can go through. The problem is when these kind of updates happen is when a lot of people quit. So, if you're not one of these quitters, think about all the people that quit that are not competing with you anymore. That's how you should be looking at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think that's a really, really yeah. important point. It getting harder, if you have the ability to adapt to a marketplace which is getting more difficult, then you know that actually puts you in a more advantageous position. It may take more effort and work and investment uh, in the long run, but if anyone could just come in, start a site, and then like rank tomorrow, then it would be a difficult place to do business in. So it, it's good having these barriers to entry behind you. Uh, so long as you make the effort to to adapt. Yeah, so it's not a bad thing. I kind of like having more barriers to entry, to be honest. Like, I will mean that had that portfolio of 20 side project is probably a little bit ambitious at this mm-hmm. point. But it also means that you probably put the effort that you could already have put into your sites and, and just make more money with each of them for the ones that are active. So anyway, Google is not turning back. So you're going to have to deal with it. What I would recommend is really people, I see a lot of people, taking this marketer angle of just just trying to make money online, basically, and not really caring about the niche they get into. I think this is going to get more challenging. So pick a niche you're going to get somewhat interested in as well. And I actually mentioned in your Toysite system as well when I do it. I'm like, well, this niche is winning, obviously, but actually I don't like it, so I'm not doing it. I'm picking this other one that's just under it in terms of points and so on. So basically that's it, guys. That's all we know about this update. We're not going to keep rambling. We've done that for over an hour now, so I think that's enough. Thanks for listening. If you want to find all the show notes for this episode with all the links from the much smarter people than us that did a bunch of analysis, then we're going to link to them on atarihacker.com slash august dash first dash update. first in letters yeah i really hope google does not release another august first update next year because that's going to mess up with our url so please google if you're listening make it yeah like if you're listening to this Uh, in the future this is 2018 where we're coming to you from uh you probably should have said that at the start but all right thanks for listening guys and we'll see you next week have a good week Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.